Hello, and welcome to Clean Farm Pod, a podcast for CPT, Pharmacometrics, and Systems Pharmacology, produced in association with Wiley. In this episode, I interviewed Dr. Marlene Hafner. Thank you, Dr. Hafner, for joining us. Uh, so let's get to it. Let's go with it. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so first question is, what has the most significant benefit been from the worldwide approach to orphan products legislation? I think quite clearly the numbers of patients that have been treated uh, with the drugs that have been developed is the most significant thing that has occurred. We now have millions of people who previously had no therapy for their disease who have not just some therapy but therapy that will significantly modify their disease so that they can lead a much more normal life and a much longer life. In addition to that, we have recognition throughout the world that orphan diseases are important. They are important to our population. If you think of 10% of the population, and I realize that's an estimate, but it's a reasonable estimate. If 10% of the population has an orphan disease, that is a significant public health problem, and we are beginning to address that by virtue of the knowledge and the need for orphan drug legislation and activity throughout the world. Okay. So what are the current problems surrounding orphan drugs and their development? Well, there are many problems uh, surrounding orphan products and their development. Um, One of them is getting the know-how to figure out how to develop a drug for that disease, whatever the disease is. We know a lot more about diseases today than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. But we still don't know everything. And the more we learn, the more we know, the more we'll be able to develop adequate and better drugs uh, for these often very devastating diseases. About 90% of all orphan diseases in the United States are serious life-threatening and life-shortening. So that's a real problem. We have developed 500 drugs Uh, That's exciting. Uh, 500 is a lot more than previously had been developed when it was estimated that there were somewhere between 10 and 35 drugs that had been developed in the 10 years prior to the Orphan Drug Act. But 500 drugs against 7,000 rare diseases is really a mere drop in the bucket. We need to develop more drugs. We need to help more people we need to be able to combat some of these diseases far more effectively than we currently are. So finding out more about the disease and developing a drug to treat that disease is very, very important. We also need, in some parts of the world, recognition by legislators and by payors that these drugs need to be paid for. Uh, In Europe, it frequently occurs that uh, a drug may be approved, and it would be approved uh, throughout the European uh, Union, but 
um, individual countries may not uh, have the ability or the uh, willingness to pay for a drug. And so there is a drug that's approved, but a patient is not getting it. So that means that access to drugs is very important. Access to drugs is very important in the United States as well because patients frequently have significant copays, and copays can be more than a family can afford. There will be most often uh, assistance programs uh, from the particular company that makes the drug, but even with that, um, access is an issue. And then recently we've seen price raise its head. Um, I don't think the issue of pricing is only an orphan drug issue. I think it is an issue for drugs in general, uh, but certainly there are some orphan drugs that are significantly more expensive um, than they should be. You have to also understand that orphan diseases by their very nature are rare. And so if a company is making a drug for a disease that has a very low frequency, it may be that that drug has to cost more in order for the company to be able to uh, continue to make, manufacture, and maintain the drug. So we have a lot of issues still with orphan uh, products development. We've come a long, long way. Uh, we're getting there. But we're certainly not at a point where we have cured orphan diseases or counteracted uh, all the issues surrounding uh, drugs for rare diseases. Okay, so you mentioned Europe and you mentioned the U.S. Um, how different do you see the EU and the U.S. in their implementation of orphan drug programs? There are some differences. Conceptually, they are the same. Europe is very concerned uh, about rare diseases and drugs to treat rare diseases. Um, they review the application for designation somewhat differently than the United States does. In Europe, uh, such a review is carried out by a group called the COMP, the Committee on Orphan Medicinal Products. The comp is comprised of one member, uh, one individual from each member state in the European Union, uh, then three people from the Committee on uh, Medicinal Products that approves uh, products, all products, um, and then uh, some patient representatives as well, which is unique in the EU. Uh, in the U.S., the review of a designation request, a designation request is a request that I think I, Mr. Manufacturer or Mrs. Manufacturer, uh, think that this is an orphan drug and is worthy of your consideration to designate it as an orphan drug. Um, once designated, there are certain uh, incentives that um, are made possible in both the European Union and in the U.S. Now, I started to talk about how the U.S. reviews uh, 
orphan designations. A company sends in their designation package, says they would like their product declared an orphan drug, and here is their package. Uh, within the U.S., that product is then reviewed uh, by a uh, an office called the Office of Orphan Products Development, and one of the scientists in that office will review the product and decide whether it is indeed, uh, does it meet the criteria to become an orphan product. If it does, they will say yes. Uh, we concur. You are an orphan product. And then the incentives begin to kick in. If um, they are a European product, uh, the review process is significantly different. It is uh, undertaken by a member uh, of the comp who is called, the, I guess, the primary reviewer, and then the rapporteur uh, would be a secondary reviewer. Uh, so it's two people that do the review. They bring it back to the comp. The comp discusses it, and they determine. Within the European Union, um, an orphan drug, a, a drug that becomes an orphan drug, has to treat a serious or life-threatening disease, and it has to have a significant benefit above other treatments available for that disease. In the U.S., we don't have the necessity to have a serious and life-threatening disease, although 90% of the drugs that are designated as orphan drugs are indeed serious or life-threatening. And we do not have the caveat that it has to uh, provide a sig significant benefit beyond other drugs for the disease. So those are the primary differences. Um, beyond that, um, each member state in the European Union decides whether there will be tax credits. In the U.S., tax credits uh, are granted at the time of designation. In the U.S., there is a seven-year uh, exclusivity uh, period on approval where that drug, uh, where no other drug no other same drug for that disease may be approved. Um, in uh, the European Union, that exclusivity period is usually 10 years. It's written as six years plus four more years if there's no uh, significant concern about the drug. And to my knowledge, there have not been any drugs that have only gotten six years exclusive marketing rights. Um, in the U.S., we have waiver from uh, filing fees, which is somewhat over $2 million in the United States. In the EU, there's a partial waiver of filing fees. So conceptually, the U.S. and the EU are very similar, but they are not identical. Okay, so you mentioned price as a problem previously. Can you further expand um, on your thoughts about the current prices of orphan drugs? There been a number of drugs that have recently been in the news because of um, extreme price raises 
um, by a company, usually a new company, that has um, uh, undertaken the production and the um, marketing of the drug. Uh, one of the first ones uh, that uh, uh, came uh, to people's attention uh, was produced by a company called Turing, uh, and the CEO of that company uh, raised the price uh, many thousand percent. Drug that had been on the market for Daraprim, that had been on the market for a number of years, was used for a rare condition called toxoplasmosis. Um, and um, there was no real explanation as to why the cost of the drug was increased so much, only that, according to um, the CEO, Mr. Shrekley, it's about the right price for an orphan drug. Uh, no one felt that that was an adequate explanation. And a lot of things have happened in that regard. I don't know whether the price uh, did or did not come down. Um, there have been other uh, instances uh, a product called Akthar, uh, which is used for a condition called infantile spasms. Again, a very rare condition occurring in infants um, where with these spasms, um, which are seizures of a, of a type, um, they uh, suffer some degree of brain damage. Uh, the cost of that drug went up significantly. Again, that drug had been available in the marketplace at a much lower price for a long period of time. Uh, and then there are other drugs where the price has gone up a lot. EpiPen, which is not an orphan, um, and uh, other drugs by other companies. I think one of the things that the drug companies do not do well and which needs to be better explained to the public and may explain some part of pricing of drugs in general, and I'm looking at orphan drugs in specific. Um, one thing would be, what does it really cost to develop a drug? And once you have developed the drug, how do you keep it available and in the marketplace? Uh, once a drug is developed, that is not the end of the story. Uh, the company has to be sure that the drug is continued to be marketed uh, or to be uh, produced under good manufacturing practices. They have to keep up to date what those practices are. They have to be certain uh, as to what side effects are occurring with their drug. Many side effects uh, do not show up uh, as a drug is being clinically tried prior to uh, approval, the reason being that particularly in an orphan situation, uh, these drugs are used in a very small population. And it may take um, a while before a side effect shows up. Um, so manufacturers... Um, and producers of orphan drugs have to be always aware, cognizant, and sensitive to 
is their drug creating any problem? Are there any problems associated with that drug? Uh, are those problems uh, of such significance that we need to look carefully at whether the product can still stay available and in the marketplace? Uh, you don't want a drug in the marketplace that creates more difficulties um, than it perhaps treats. Uh, these are all very important issues that are of major impact, import uh, to patients and families and caregivers. Okay, so with better understanding of the human genome, will all diseases become orphan diseases? <laughs> I used to get that question a lot when I worked at the Food and Drug Administration. Um, I don't think all diseases will become orphan diseases. I think we will better understand diseases. Some some diseases will become uh, split up into many diseases, and each will be an orphan. Others may well lump together. Uh, I don't think we know the answer to that question yet. Um, and so I can't say, well, you know, I, I don't think they're all going to be orphans. Uh, I think more will be orphans. I think, as I already said, some will not be orphaned. And um, it will depend on the situation, what we find out. And the one thing is for certain, we will know better how to treat diseases as time goes on. The human genome gave us a big window uh, that we can look into to a better study uh, these very rare or not so rare, but diseases in general. But they are not the only answer. They're a big beginning. But like so many things, the more we know, the more we don't know, and we need to study more. Well, thank you very much for your time, Dr. Hafner. Our listeners surely appreciate it. Um, you know, again, thank you very much. You are very welcome, and uh, I look forward to uh, uh, further interaction with you. This has been uh, a good deal of fun and interesting for me as well. Thank you. That was Dr. Marlene Hafner, and you can find her article at onlinelibrary.wiley.com. Also check out the virtual issue on hematology. Hematology is a branch of medicine concerned with disorders of blood and bone marrow, for example, anemia, coagulation disorders, and cancers, such as leukemia. Pharmacometrics and quantitative systems pharmacology are increasingly being used in model-informed drug discovery and development of novel hematological drugs, but also as clinical tools to optimize the use of existing therapies. The links between quantitative pharmacology and hematology were established more than a century ago when A.V. Hill published a mathematical model for the sigmoidal binding of oxygen to hemoglobin, which, known as the Hill equation, became one of the central equations in pharmacometrics and quantitative systems pharmacology. The hematology virtual issue of CPT-PSP provides an up-to-date overview of the breadth and depth of state-of-the-art application of advanced pharmacometrics and quantitative systems pharmacology in hematology in drug discovery, development, and clinical practice. I'm Dennis Velasco. Thank you for listening.